The following is a presentation of Main Street Preps, your source for high school sports in Middle Tennessee. A track meet disguised as a football game breaks out Friday night in Hendersonville as Pope Prep takes down Independence 56-38. The Clarksville Academy scored, wait, that can't be right, 87 points? Also, we've got Sumner County's oldest rivalry this week as Hendersonville visits Gallatin in what should be a great, great contest. Plus, we talk with Clarksville High School head coach Isaac Shelby, give our picks for the week, players of the week, and more. All that coming up next. This is Coach Peak with Brady and Zach covering Montgomery and Sumner County football. Here are your hosts, Brady McAtemney and Zach Womble. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Coach Speak. My name is Brady McAtemney. I'm the head sports reporter at Main Street Clarksville, covering all things Montgomery County sports. And I am Zach Womble, the sports reporter here in Sumner County, covering sports for the Gallatin News, the Hendersonville Standard, and the Portland Sun. Zach, we got a good show lined up for everybody here. We're going to be talking with Clarksville High School head coach Isaac Shelby, along with doing our favorite segment, our picks. That's right. Plus, we've got players of the week, so make sure you want to stick around and stay tuned to hear who we highlight as our players. And also, Isaac Shelby, I know he's got a lot to say about their big region matchup with the Beach Buccaneers this week. Absolutely. Let's get right into it. Now, Zach, we, we got to talk about this Clarksville Academy game. I mean, they, they played the Tennessee Heat, so a disclaimer on that. They are a homeschooled uh, football team, a team of, you know, kids taking homeschool classes. Um, and they are, this was their first 11-man game of the season. So they typically play eight-man football. Um, so uh, going up against a team that has been playing 11-man all season, um, that's, that's going to be an uphill battle for them. But... Clarksville County beat them 87 to zero. I mean, it's at that point, you, you I know, I know, I know Tennessee probably wouldn't want me to say this, but I almost feel bad for them because that's just, whew, that's just a lot of points. How do you um, recover from that? I, I don't know. That's why I'm not a high school football coach because if I got beat 87 to nothing, I probably wouldn't show my face in public again. Um, but Hey, you got to imagine they can take something out of that, right? Um, I, yeah, I mean, I think I think if if you're the Tennessee Heat head coach, you probably say something along the lines of like, "Hey guys, it can't get any worse than this. We can only go up from here." Yeah, take 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 watch the film, and we'll we'll get better from it. But uh, Clarksville Academy had seventy three points at halftime. I mean, how insane is that? Um, I mean, did they score on every play? I mean, every, I mean, just one play and score? Well, I got the stats here for you. So quarterback Cooper Wallace went 5-for-5, uh, five five, 113 yards, and three touchdowns. Okay. Their backup quarterback, DJ Merriweather, went 1-for-1 one one for nine yards. So relatively straightforward. But then uh, Cooper Wallace had uh, two rushes for 67 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Merriweather had four attempts, 94 yards, and a touchdown. And then uh, looking at the uh, rushing and receiving yards for Tyson Hagewood, one catch, 45 yards, a touchdown. Or, I'm sorry, one rush, 45 yards, and a touchdown. He had also had three catches for 46 yards and a touchdown. Um, then we look at Riley Jones. He had 
two rushes for 24 yards and a touchdown as long as one catch for nine yards. Um, and then you got Corbin Yarborough, Yarborough, who had three rushes, 82 yards and two touchdowns. And then Keith Richburg, one catch, 30 yards and a touchdown. Uh, they have three interceptions and a whole lot of tackles. <laughs> I mean, it was just every guy was getting involved. It was just, I mean, it's about as dominant as a performance as you could possibly see. Yeah, if you don't describe that win as dominant, I'd, I'd hate to see what your definition of dominant is because that's exactly what that game was. Yeah. Um, Tennessee Heat had um, a grand total of... Yeah, it was uh, a grand total of zero yards of offense. Wait, what? Yep, they had positive plays. They had negative plays. Added all up, it came out to, to no yards. What's more impressive, scoring 87 points or giving up zero yards of offense? It's a good question. Um, I think they ended up with three total first downs. Um, got sacked four times, which came out to that 30 yards. Um, minus 30 yards, I should say. Um, yeah, they had fewer first downs than Clarksville Academy had touchdowns in the first quarter. Wow, that is – that's – um, you know, you can't even say anything because to my understanding, Clarksville Academy played their second, third, fourth stringers the entire second half, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they uh, – you know, they, they kind of understood like – Hey, I, we got to take the foot off the pedal here, and you know, yeah. credit to them for doing that. But even their backups were performing. Yeah, and it's not like you can tell the backups don't go score, right? I mean, those yeah, backups no, hardly, absolutely maybe rarely get into a game. You, it, you know, and I know this whole PC society that we live in—you can't win by too much, or people get upset. But you're not going to be able to tell 14-year-old, 15-year-old kids who who are backups that don't get a lot of play, don't get a lot of playing time. Like, hey, you can't go score because we're afraid somebody might get upset that we're winning. 73 to nothing, you know, so yeah, you, you, I mean, you want them to get the most of their reps. uh, And, and it seems like they did that. Um, But, you know, credit to Scott Murray, head coach of the Carcel Academy uh, Cougars. They are four and oh now in his first year with the program already surpassing their win total from last season and the season before, if I remember correctly. So um, they're on the upswing tough game this week against Nashville Christian, but um, they're in a good spot right now. Absolutely. Congratulations to them on the win. I actually want to take you to another track meet, Brady. Although it wasn't 80-plus points scored, it was a track meet disguised as a football game, as I mentioned in the teaser. Pope John Paul beats Independence 56-38. to Goodness gracious, this Pope John Paul II offense is something to behold. Their first two games, they score over 40. Their week three win over Father Ryan, 21-14. Not a lot of points scored, but, hey, that's a defensive game. That's a that's an arch-rival game. You're, you're probably not going to get a big blowout in those types of contests. Absolutely. And then last week against Independence, like I said, scoring 56 points. I mean, this offense led by Kenny Minchie Jr. is is almost unstoppable. Kenny threw for 334 yards in the win, going 25 of 36 with four touchdowns and a long of 50 yards. Hey, not only that, Elijah Robb, 25 rushes, 205 yards, two touchdowns. He also goes two for two for 29 yards and a passing touchdown, including a 19-yard pass to Seth Carter. And then Colin Cook, maybe the best receiver in D23A, 11 catches, 165 yards, and four touchdowns with a long of 34 yards. 
Goodness wow. gracious, Brady, that's a ton of offense. If you're playing fantasy high school football, I mean, that guy's a first-rounder. Oh, 100%. You know, and and listen, uh, you know, Kenny Minchie can make all the throws. He is getting looked at. He'll, he'll go to whatever school that he wants to come senior year, uh, whether that's, you know, you name it, he can go there. I know he's gotten looks and offers from from every Power 5 school. I think minus Alabama, I think, is the only school that may not have reached out. But they, they may have. I just not know about it. Um, but outside of that, like I said, he can make any throw. Colin Cook led the led D2 last year in receiving yards and catches. He is back for another year. I'm actually, I wrote a story uh, for our football magazine that people can go check out just on the relation, the, the best friend relationship that Kenny mentioned and Colin Cook share. I actually probably should update that story uh, with current stats and, and everything else just so people can understand like where this all comes from. It all comes from a, a place of knowing each other, uh, from when they were in Pop Warner all the way to middle school and now in high school excelling together. That duo, Kenny Minchie and Colin Cook, among the best in the county, if not the state. And I know that's a that's a pretty bold claim to make. But, I mean, goodness gracious, Brady, you get 11 catches, 164 yards. You're running past 6A defenses like, like they're Swiss cheese. I mean, I don't know how you don't say they're one of the best duos in the state. Yeah, I mean, obviously that is a big claim because there are a lot of high school football teams out there. But, I mean, like you said, those numbers kind of speak for themselves, especially, I mean, I, I haven't been able to personally watch them play. Um, but you got to imagine they passed the eye test as well. Oh, absolutely. And the, and the crazy thing is, if, you're, if you see Colin Cook out there, you'll see a 5'10", 5'11", white kid, probably a dime a dozen. This is how he describes himself, a dime a dozen. <laughs> You know, not gonna not gonna break you off with with great speed or great agility. Although he is working on those things, as he mentions in my story, uh, but he's just a crisp route runner, and I think he is gonna make whatever program lands him that much better come Saturdays. You know, it may be a Cumberland or a Lindsey Wilson or a Center, or a University of Cumberland, or it could be a Mount Union, a Division Two, or someone like that. Whoever he goes and plays for, I promise you, Brady, he will be a difference maker. He is just one of those guys that if you can run crisp routes, you're going to get a lot of places, and uh, it doesn't get more crisp than, than Colin Cook on the outside. Yeah, so that kind of reminds me of a guy Titans fans might be familiar with, a guy like Adam Humphreys, or for yeah. the, uh, the two Lions fans might be listening, Danny Amendola, who was with the team <laughs> the last couple of years. Um, just, you know, yeah, that, that's a guy you like to have on your team. Absolutely. So listen, Pope Prep 4-0, looking to go 5-0 for the first time in school history. They've got a major, major test at Baylor this week. We'll dive more into that later in the show. But nonetheless, a big win for Pope John Paul last week over Independence. Absolutely. And talking about big wins, Ross Few got an absolutely needed win this week yeah, against the Northeast Eagles. Uh, they, they were 0-3 heading into that game. And Ross Few and Northeast is kind of low-key a huge rivalry in the city that's not that's not a game that you would think about as you know one of the big rivalries in the city you know you think about Clarksville Rossview Northeast Clarksville um Northeast Northwest um you know but but this game I mean these two schools clearly do not like each other when you watch them on the field I mean they were John at each other personal fouls flying all over the place um they, they, it, it, this game was at uh, Northeast, and Rossview got the win. It was uh, twenty-seven to twenty-two, and uh, Rossview, uh, after getting the win, did the old, you know, wave them off their home field. Uh, they didn't shake hands. Um, I mean, you could just tell that there's some kind of bad blood between these two programs. Um, but Rossview getting their first win of the season. I mean, that was just huge. Um, 
they uh, went with a new quarterback this week. They went with uh, a sophomore, Hezekiah Scott. Uh, they call him Hezzy. Um, he, he's kind of a small kid, but he can he can run the ball. He's got a pretty solid arm. He threw um, two touchdown passes and ran for two touchdowns. Um, and I think they had scored coming into this game. If I remember correctly off the top of my head, they had scored one touchdown this season before, coming into this game, and, and they scored four. If it wasn't one, it was two, but they at least doubled their scoring output. Um, Hezekiah Scott did a, a very good job. You know, I think he, he did throw two picks. One of them wasn't too much his fault. The other could have been a better decision. Um, but Rossview, I mean, they just needed that win. Absolutely, especially coming off that tough loss the week prior to Clarksville, ten to nine. You know, it's it's good for it's good for Rossview and and coach to to get their their win of the season, definitely. Yeah, and uh, Todd Hood, head coach of uh, the Rossview Hawks, um, he joked with me after the Clarksville game. You know, I mean, they lost that game ten to nine. It was a rivalry game. It, they lost on a fifty yard field goal. I mean. You, you can just imagine what they were feeling at that moment. Uh, I, I talked to them in the parking lot after the game because, I mean, they were just off that field in an instant. Uh, he joked with me that he'd have to uh, call Bill Belichick to see how he would respond to a loss like that, <laughs> how he'd get over a loss like that. Um, <laughs> and when I talked to him after this Northeast game, I said, I mean, well, you probably got his voicemail, but uh, what did you guys do anyway? And he said, you know, we were we made that change at quarterback. We kind of – we, we – we doubled down. We we wanted to win this game. We 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 went back to the basics, man. We we were we did what we can do best, and you know they looked like Rossview again this week after a couple kind of kind of rough weeks to open the season. You know, Brady, you mentioned bad blood earlier between two rivalry opponents. Let's transition to it's perfect transition to the Mayor's Cup, Gallatin yeah. versus Station Camp. You know, shout out to Station Camp, 21-7 victory over the Green Wave. It wasn't even that close, in my opinion. Um, Station Camp just really dominated dominated that game from start to finish. Um, you could tell they really, really wanted that game and, and wanted that win. And and uh, here they are, 4-0 for the first time since 2007. Shout out to Brent Alexander for just, you know, allowing – getting that team to believe in themselves. You know, you go 24 games without a win – there's got to be a lot of doubt in your mind, right? And then they open up the first game of the season on the road, win at White House. Then they go on the road. They beat White County. They beat a good – well, I guess depends on what your definition of good is. But they beat a talented Hillsborough team and then come out and beat Gallatin, for the, like I said, for a 4-0 start. And just from the jump, from the whistle, they, they were in tune. They were ready for the game. They were ready for whatever Gallatin threw at them uh, on defense and offense. Parker Brown made some big, big plays with his arm. Parker Brown, the former Gallatin quarterback who transferred to station camp before the start of the season, why he did so, that that reason is to be speculated. But nevertheless, he is now on the station camp team and was the difference maker, in my opinion, in that game, hitting a couple big bombs down the field to really stretch that Gallatin defense, throwing for two touchdowns as well. So, uh, you know, a great, great game between two rivals. I, inter- I say it's a bad blood game. Interestingly enough, Brent Alexander, former Gallatin player who went on to start at Tennessee State University before playing a big career in the NFL, said to me after the game, he would like to see this game become more friendly. He feels like the onus falls on the adult shoulders to uh, just maybe get the right message across and, and, and try not to spew as much hatred toward one another. So I thought that was interesting that, that Brent, who, like I said, played for Gallatin, was a star at Gallatin, 
now the head coach's station camp is kind of ushering for more of a, a community feel for the game as, as opposed to a hatred toward the game. Yeah, you really don't hear that all the time. You know, these coaches often like, you know, coaching in these rivalry games. It kind of gets your adrenaline going. But, I mean, hey, that's, that shows maturity, I think. Um, you know, you got to kind of give them a hand. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and, and for, the, for several years now, uh, both student sections have kind of uh, did their fair share of pranks on, on the other student sections or the other schools, dating all the way back to 2017 when I took over the beat. So, you know, you kind of get those things in rivalry games. And I think Brent in his second year is trying to establish a just a respectable, mature uh, football team that doesn't do silly things. Um, maybe they've done silly things in the past. And I think he's trying to rid that. And I think uh, he's just trying to create, like I said, he, he said after the game, listen, we all live in this city. We're all together in a way. Let's try to come together and be one. I know we don't have to like each other during this week, but we can always respect one another. And I think th- I thought that was really cool that that was the message he was trying to get across. Yeah, that is very cool. And, uh, you know, why don't we use that opportunity to transition into our players of the week? Because um, I think I think I might know who yours might be, but I'm going to go ahead and uh, give mine to um, if you played for the Clarksville Academy Cougars this week. Congratulations. You're my player. Of the week. I, mean, <laughs> I went through that laundry list of guys who scored, who got big yards, though that defense was played tough. I mean, I, I can't choose one guy from that team. I think that entire team just deserves to, you know, kind of get this. I mean, I agree. And, and I'm kind of in the same boat a little bit, Brady. I mean, I, I rattled off stats earlier regarding Kenny Minchie, Elijah Robb, and Colin Cook. How do you choose who was more valuable in that game? I mean, it's I mean, it's a close ball game throughout the first two quarters. You know, then you get a little bit of a break from from Pope John Paul on a couple on a couple runs, a couple passes. But it's it's hard to pick and choose, you know. And I'll just say this. For my Hendersonville Standard Player of the Week, I did choose Elijah Robb, 25 carries, over 200 yards, two touchdowns, plus a throwing touchdown. But for this Player of the Week, for this podcast, Brady, I'm going to choose all three. I mean, like I said, it, picking and choosing is like, you know, who gets the small straw at this mm-hmm. point? I mean, how do you determine what's more important between 334 yards passing and four touchdowns or 164 yards on 11 catches and four touchdowns and 205 yards on the ground plus two touchdowns and a passing touchdown? I, I really don't think – you're splitting hairs at that point. So, I just think the easiest thing to do – and I think Geis, Justin Geisinger, the head coach of JP2, would probably agree with this. Those players would probably agree with this. But I think all three deserve our Coach Speak Player of the Week this week in Sumner County. Yeah, give them each uh, an equal-sized piece of the pizza. That's right. Exactly right. We welcome back Isaac Shelby, head coach of the Clarksville Wildcats, here into Coach Speak. Isaac, how you doing today? Uh, pretty good. How's it going, guys? Doing, doing pretty great. good. So, uh, Isaac, you guys are coming off a big win against Dixon County, uh, your guys' highest-scoring game of the season so far on offense. Uh, why don't you tell us about um, how you guys managed to put up 35 this week? Um, we didn't start off very good. Uh, we were down 10 nothing at one point and then finished the second half with a couple scores. Um, uh, moved, uh, played Rayshon Bowling and Jamar Carnell, both at quarterback. And, um, you know, Ray played pretty good. We moved into our wing set. and um, we, just, we just played a lot better in the second half than we have in the past couple of weeks. Coach, I, I'm interested. I want to jump to your game this week against the Beach Buccaneers. I, I obviously covered Beach for the Sumner County yeah. Beat. 
Uh, here they are coming off a bye week plus a loss in their last game. I'm curious to know what your early thoughts are just going into a hostile environment this Friday night. Uh, I think Beach is a really good team. I mean, they're, they're one of the top programs in the state. Um, Anthony does a really good job, has for a really long time. Um, the kids play tough. They play hard. Um, you can tell their coach really well. Uh, it's just, it's just you know, the community supports that program. It's, it's going to be a big test for us. Yeah, the fact that they're coming off a of bye week, too. I know some coaches kind of have mixed feelings about that. Um, f- uh, when is your program? When uh, Do you like having that bye week to prepare for an extra game, or do you think that it can maybe sometimes make you a bit rusty going into uh, a game against a team who uh, did play the week before? Uh, I think sometimes it can make you rusty. Our, our bye week comes at the end, um, which which I really like because it gives our kids um, it gives our kids a week to kind of get football off their brains um, headed into the playoffs. So um, I like it a lot better at the end. I've never had one um, as early as Beach has had one, but you know they have a hard time scheduling folks and stuff like that. So uh, you know they're going to have more of an odd bye week than most people I would think. Coach Shelby, you've you've put up thirty five points last week. Uh, and then 10 points in back-to-back weeks. I'm, I'm curious to wonder, how do you feel your offense is coming along? I know you just said you, you threw in two different quarterbacks in last week's game at Dixon County. How, how would you assess just the progression of your offense and your quarterbacks through through four games? Um, we're getting there. Uh, it's been up and down throughout the year. Uh, no, last week we had both starting receivers out um, you know, with COVID issues and a couple weeks ago, it hit our defensive line really bad. Last week, it hit our receivers and our defensive backs really bad. So, um, it's just kind of a constant, uh, constant juggling, like of players that, that, you know, we've got to get through. And that's tough when you don't have your starter. But I think Rayshon and Jamar have both done a really good job of, um, you know, kind of stepping in there and helping the team doing what they're asked to do, even though it's not, uh, you know, it's not something either one of them like grew up doing and playing quarterback. Yeah, looking at Beach's schedule, the games they've played so far have been all against some very good football teams. One of them, mm-hmm. uh, a, a team that you're very familiar with, with uh, the Henry County Patriots. I know you're no mm-hmm. longer in their region, but that's a team that you guys have faced up against for a long time. Um, are, are you more likely to look at the film in that game since it's against your uh, team you're familiar with, or are you looking at film against um, all the all their games that they've played so far? No, we look at all of them. Um, you know, obviously, uh, we know Henry better than, um, you know, some of those other teams. So, um, you know, we played Hendersonville and Farragate, you know, or we haven't played Farragate, but I've played Hendersonville and Coast before. So I kind of know what um, kind of lays on in there a little bit. But, um, you know, we look at all of them. But, but, you know, Henry's definitely one that, you know, you, you – I mean, I mean, you don't pay more attention to it, but – it, it kind of grabs your eyes a little bit when you're watching like cut-ups of that. Coach Shelby, we all know that region games are what gets you into the playoffs. And, and, and at the end of the day, maybe viewed by a lot of coaches as really the only games that matter. But here you have Clarksville Northeast sandwiched in between Beach, Hendersonville, and West Creek, all region opponents. I'm curious, where does that Northeast game stack in terms of importance with the other three region games? Um, I think they're all important. I think the difference is in a region game is you get the um, like it, it, it's almost like getting two wins because when you get a win there, you also get the head-to-head win when it comes down to tiebreakers. Um, but you know, it, it's they're all games and they're all important. None of them are more important because they're region or non-region. You know, um, we just kind of treat each one like as its own week. 
Yeah, no, uh, we're recording this on Tuesday, so I know you haven't had, you know, a full week to prepare really for Beach yet, but um, based on your early impressions of them, uh, what are some things that you guys are going to try to do to, to uh, overcome that tough opponent? Um, I mean, we, we can't have turnovers. Um, you know, we, I feel like that, uh, I feel like the biggest thing is we started slow the past two weeks. Um, and then, and then we played really good second halves. And, and I don't think you can do that against the team, um, as good and as talented as well, Coach Beach, because I think they'll, uh, just boat race you if you, if you don't come out ready to go. And I think that, um, it's a big challenge for our kids because, you know, we, ha- we have not played well in the first half at all the past two weeks. So. Um, that's kind of the big thing we're harping on this week. But, um, you know, Beach is one of those teams, they're not going to give it to you. They're really well coached. Um, you know, they're not going to beat themselves. You're going to have to beat them. Um, so when you have turnovers and you have mistakes, they, you know, teams like Beach snowball on that pretty quick. Coach, obviously you've watched your game film on Beach. I'm curious to know, I guess, how surprised are you with how much importance they've put on the throw game, obviously Beach is, is a program that is notorious for churning out great running backs and likes to run the ball 40, 50 times a game. But here they are this season throwing more than they ever have. I, I'm curious, how surprised are you about that? And and what's your level of concern for your defense going into that game, knowing that you have to stop two phases? Yeah, I'm not surprised at all. Uh, I, I think I think Anthony's really good. He was, at, he was at Beach when I was at Northeast before, so – um, you know, we've gone down there in the playoffs a couple of times. And, uh, you know, one time we went down there and beat him, upset him in the first round, which was a big deal. And then the second time we went down there, um, it was uh, Jalen Hurd and Jalen Reeves Maven going at it. It's probably the best high school game I've ever seen. Um, and we ended up losing that one by a point. And then each went on to win the state championship. But um, I think the thing that uh, – the thing that Anthony – one of the things Anthony does well is, like, he plays to his skill set, you know, and – and when he's got receivers and he's got a quarterback, he'll throw it. And then when he doesn't, he doesn't mind getting in two tight ends and smokestack and, and, you know, living with the guys that, you know, that he has that are talented in that situation. So um, I think he's just a really good coach. And, and, you know, I think this year is one of the years you, you really look at it and go, man, he's, um, you know, he, he's a little more wide open because he's got some really good players um, out on the edge. Um, coach Shelby, you know, Beach is a very – you just mentioned how talented Beach is, but I don't, I don't think there's any secret around their offensive line being young. Is that one area that maybe you've – that you've seen that you think that from your defensive line that maybe you can take advantage of and try to create some pressure on, on their Beach quarterbacks and, and as well as their run game? Yeah, we're pretty young too. That's the, <laughs> the issue with that. But um, they just don't have – they don't have a uh, – they don't have a glaring weakness to me. I think they're – I think they're really solid. Um, you know, I don't know a lot of guys on that staff, but, um, you know, they're, they're doing a good job, you know, in all phases. And that's usually what you get on a team that, you know, you get from a team like Beach and, you know, Sumner County team. They're just really, really solid. And, uh, you know, there's not big playing weaknesses that, that we feel like we have to take advantage of. We just have to, you know, play really sound, sound football and give ourselves a chance to win. Yeah, and Isaac, the two games I've seen you guys so far play were uh, the loss against Springfield and the win against Rossview. Um, and the common denominator between those two games is that um, when you guys were allowing yards or allowing points, it, it was typically on the ground. Um, and I was curious if Beach having that air attack um, 
that they're uh, they've kind of pivoted to this year. If you think that you're uh, might be a little more confident facing that as opposed to a heavy ground game, uh, because I know you do like uh, your guys that you have back there, especially Chris Bagatini at linebacker and Rayshon Bowling at safety. Yeah, we've got um, seniors in all three levels of our defense, so um, it, it's not uh, you know it, it's not super concerning um, one way or the other. Uh, you know, those guys are just gonna have to play really good football. Um, so, you know, beach is a tough place to win. And, um, you know, it's just going to be one of those things that if, if we're not good in all three phases, then, you know, we're going to be in trouble. Absolutely. Well, Isaac, thank you so much for joining us this week. Uh, we're absolutely looking forward to uh, seeing the outcome of that big game, Clarksville High against Beach at Shekel Island this Friday. I appreciate it. Thanks for doing what you guys do for high school sports. Thanks, Coach. You got it. Best of luck. All right, Zach, it's that time again. Let's get into our picks. Um, I know this week, uh, or I should say last week, I went 5-1. and one. I'm 21-4 and four overall, so I'm feeling pretty good about it. Um, That's a pretty good record. I know you could have had a better week last week, but I mean, I, I think it, I think now is a better time than any to rectify that. Yeah, exactly. 1-3 last week. Shout out to Station Camp and White House and Smith County for proving me wrong. I picked Westmoreland. Over Smith County on the road in which in what I knew was going to be a tough game, but still wanted to roll with the Eagles. And uh, I just completely got wrong, Gallatin and Gallatin Station Camp in Portland White House. Now, uh, I, know White, I know Portland had a big lead on White House, and then the second half rolled around. And from my understanding, White House completely dominated the game and um, was able to win that one 55-40 late. So congratulations to them. Yeah, 14-10 and 10 on the season. Not very good. I know I also went 5-5 five and five in my mid-state picks last week. So I have really struggled. Uh, I really struggled last week. So I'll try to uh, do a little bit better this week. But we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Yeah, what better time than now to rectify that? We'll start off with the game that we're both going to have picks for. Um, That's going to be Northeast uh, at Portland. Uh, the Eagles are 1-3. and three. Portland is 2-2. Two and two. Both teams coming off losses right now. Um, and this is going to be a big game for that uh, Region 7 5A playoff picture because these are two teams that you could really see sliding into either that three or four spot. Um, and, you know, that, that could be the difference between playing Henry County and Springfield. Um, you know, not to say that Springfield's not a good team, but I think most teams would rather play them than have to go to Paris for a playoff game. Um, now, this one I think is going to be very interesting. I think it's going to be very high scoring. Um, but Northeast has kind of been not themselves lately. Um, when I talked to Brandon Clark after their game against Ross, he, was just, he just said, like, we're kind of on that edge of being a good team, but we just keep falling the other way. Um, and I think that this is a kind of a perfect game for them to kind of fix that because um, as we've seen, um, North, or I'm sorry, Portland's defense is not very good. Um, you know, you're, you're going to be able to score on them. They allowed Northwest to score, I believe, 18 points and um, you know, no discredits to Northwest, but uh, Northeast defense is a lot better than theirs. Um, those were the first points they had scored this season. Um, so I think that this could be a really good game for the Eagles to um, to kind of break out of this little funk that they're in and really get some points back on the board. They scored 62 points in week one against West Creek. And I think that I don't think they're now I don't want to say they're going to go back and score 62 points. I mean, that's just, that's, that's a lot of points. Um, but I do think that they can really kind of break things out. They got a lot of really good athletes, um, probably more than Portland is used to seeing, uh, being school coming up for 4A. And um, I think it's going to be a track meet, but I've got Northeast winning this 48 to 40. 
Wow. Wow. 48 to 40. That is a lot of points, Brady. Uh, it's funny you mentioned that Northwest game. They did score 19, but I will say seven of those 19 did come on a defensive touchdown. Okay. Um, that said, you're right. Portland's defense has given up a lot of points this year, right? They gave up 28 to Westmoreland, who is notoriously not known for scoring. Mm-hmm. They gave up 42 to East Hamilton, which is understandable. East Hamilton, a very, very athletic team that just beat Sequoia last week 70 to nothing. So they can absolutely score the football. Yep. Uh, I mentioned the I mentioned the twelve offensive points that Northwest scored, and then of course fifty five against White House. So you're right. Defensively, Portland has struggled this season, right, Brady? Mm-hmm. Um, which which gives Northeast a great opportunity to score. And as you mentioned, they have athletes that can get to the outside, that can put the ball in the end zone. But I made a proclamation, Brady, a couple episodes ago that I thought Portland was going to end up playing for the region championship the last week of the season. You did. So I've, I've got to stick with that, Brady. I've already been on record saying that I think that's going to happen. So I think they moved to 2-0 in the region this week with a win over Northeast. I think they'll beat Kenwood. And then, of course, their last two region games of the season, Springfield and Henry County, will be a huge test. But nevertheless, this week I've got Portland beating Clarksville Northeast 35-21. to and just a reminder, Zach is fourteen and ten this season. Uh, yep. Anyway, let's move on to our, <laughs> let's move on to uh, my next game. I'm looking at the West Creek Coyotes versus the Rusty Hawks. Both teams are one and three and zero and one in the region, um, but I don't think this is going to be a super close game. Um, West Creek's one win uh, this season came against Northwest, who uh, they shut out. Um, and, you know, they got a good win there, but Northwest isn't the stiffest of competition this season, uh, whereas Rossi is coming off a win against Northeast, um, who, like I said, kind of kind of struggling a little bit right now. Um, but it was still an impressive win nonetheless. And uh, Rossview, I think, is could finally be finding that stride. And um, I don't think they're going to face too much resistance from West Creek here. I think they're going to get the uh, their first 6A win of the season and beat West Creek 35-12. My next game is probably not going to be one that's close, Brady. Westmoreland is going to host Trousdale County. Westmoreland 0-4. And in their last three weeks, they've only scored six points. They go uh, After a 28-31 loss at Portland, they go six um, only six points against Macon County, zero points against Watertown, zero points against Smith County. Whereas Trousdale County has been known to score the football, scoring 34 in their last win at Macon County, 34-7, then shutting out East Robertson, 22-0. So I think this one could get ugly in a hurry. I'm going to pick Trousdale County very easily, 24-0. Yeah, speaking of games that probably won't be close, uh, we got a battle of teams who are 1-3, and three, who are not on the same, uh, same uh, planet, I think, when it comes to football. Henry County, one and three with losses to Summit Beach Brentwood versus Northwest with some losses to Stewart County, West Creek, and Portland. Um, you know, this, this one's going to be over in a hurry. Uh, there's not too much to really say about this game. Um, unfortunately for Northwest, I've got to pick Henry County 56 to zero. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, no, there's no good way around that one, I don't think, Brady. Um, moving on to my next one is is a game that will be played on Thursday night, White House versus Waverly at Nissan Stadium. First off, very cool of the Titans and Nissan Stadium opening their doors to host this game. Waverly, of course, uh, suffering through the tragic deadly floods in Humphreys County at the end of August. They will not get to play any home games. 
So very cool to be able to play one of your games at Nissan Stadium where the Titans play. They are 3-0 and on the season versus the Blue Devils, who are 3-1 and coming off a win over the Portland Panthers. Um, you know, they're, they're even going to get Mike Keith and the entire Titans broadcast crew on the call. So that, I mean, cool is that? that is cool in itself. I mean, the, vo- the voice of the Titans, Mike Keith, in my opinion, is the greatest play-by-play announcer in radio in the NFL, albeit I have not heard the other uh, what the other uh, NFL teams have to offer. But Mike Keith is just so great at what he does. So that in itself is going to be an experience. But as far as the football game is concerned, listen, I hate to be a little bit of a spoiler here, but I'm going to roll with White House. What they have shown over these last three weeks has been remarkable. Uh, the resiliency, the fight, Raymond Blackbird has been a stud at running back and quarterback. Uh, their defense has showed out, played well. Um, so I'm going to pick White House and maybe an upset, 28-24 over Waverly. Yeah, hey, at least one Tennessee team will get a win at uh, Nissan Stadium this week, right? Hey, listen, Brady, let, this is not the time or the place. But listen, that was an NFC opponent, and it doesn't necessarily matter, nor does their game at <laughs> Seattle next week. Win your conference games, win your division games. You know what? Fair enough. Um, let's move on to a game that I'm going to be covering this week on uh, Friday night. Uh, this is going to be Kenwood Knights 2-2 two and two against Springfield, who is 3-1. Now, this is a game that I think could be a... Oh, excuse me. I think this is a game that could be a sneaky upset choice. Okay. Um, Springfield started the season with wins against Greenbrier, Clarksville, and Northeast. Um, they seemed like they were going to waltz into Week 5 with as much confidence as they needed, um, but instead they lost 7-6 to six against Wilson Central. Yeah, that was a head-scratcher. Yeah, that, that's, that's a confusing one. I mean, Wilson Central is not a bad team by any means, but, I mean, 7-6 to six after having some three really good games. Um, kind of got to wonder if, you know, maybe some maybe Springfield's got to readjust some things. Uh, meanwhile, Kenwood, uh, they beat West Creek 25-12, to 12, which you would think they beat them by more. Uh, but when you look into it a little more, their starting quarterback, Jalen Washington, missed the entire second half. Um, and Jalen, probably the best quarterback in the county. Uh, this guy is just, he's, he's about as good of a dual threat as you'll get in uh, Montgomery County. Um, and I think that this is a game, I'm not, I, now I just want to preface this by saying I'm not picking Kenwood to win this game. But if they did win this game, I, I don't think it would be as shocking, at least to myself and now to you guys, now that I'm telling you this, um, as it would be to everyone who, you know, as, as it might look on the surface. Um, you know, Kenwood's offense is, is, is electric. They can score um, on any play from anywhere on the field. Um, it's going to be a, a matter of, uh, the, of the defense trying to stop uh, Springfield from getting down the field, eating up too much time off the clock, and try to get a, a turnover or two and capitalize on those. I think if they can do that, Kenwood can win this football game. But as of right now, I'm going to go with the, the safer pick and say Springfield wins 35-22. Brady, I'm going to transition to Division II 3A and talk about Pope Prep visiting Baylor. Uh, these two teams have not played since 2018 as they were as Pope Prep made the move to west to the west side of Division II 3A for the last two years. So this is their first meeting since 2018, a game that Pope John Paul II won in 2018, obviously three years later, different programs, different teams uh, in 2021. Listen, I talked to Justin Geisinger, the head coach at Pope Prep, yesterday following their big win over Independence, and he was straight up honest with me and told me this will be their toughest test of the season, bar none, from top to bottom. Baylor is the best football team that they have faced this year. 
defensive line, linebackers, secondary, offensive line, running backs, quarterbacks, wide receiver. There is no weakness on this Baylor Red Raider team. So this will this will go a long way in telling me just how good Pope John Paul is. You know, even if they lose this game, Brady, if they lose this game in a fashion where it's a fourth quarter game and just Baylor makes a few more plays, I'll feel really good about my semifinal preseason pick that I had for them. Um, but if Pope Prep comes out, lays an egg, and just gets ran by Baylor, I'm going to feel real bad about that semifinal pick because um, D23A is, is an animal in itself, right? And I just think that outside of Oakland, probably no one else could do what these D23A teams do on a weekly basis in terms of playing Baylor, then NBA, Knox Catholic. Ravenwood, McCauley, Briarcrest, like that is a that's a thing, right? There's no there's no playing a tough team than getting up and no disrespect here, but getting a Glencliff or a Hunter's Lane, you know, two or three weeks in a row. There's there's none of that if you're a Division two team. So listen, going on the road at Baylor, I've got to stick with the Red Raiders here. I'm picking against Pope John Paul for the first time this year. Although I do think Pope John Paul will score some points. Give me Baylor in a close one, 35-31. Man, if, if Pope can, can keep it close like that, um, I mean, yeah, like you said, that's going to be a win in itself. Yeah. Um, keeping it in D2, uh, we're looking at Clarksville Academy, who we mentioned earlier is 4-0. They're facing their toughest test of the season so far, going to Nashville Christian to take on the Eagles, who are 2-1. Um, now, Clarksville Academy being 4-0, I mean, that's just an incredible start for them. They're, they're a great story right now. Um, but Nashville Christian is far and away the best team that they'll have played so far. The next best team they've played is Middle Tennessee Christian, and I mean, not the stiffest opponent. Um, now that said, they've got all the confidence in the world that they need right now. <clears throat> Coming off uh, a huge win over Tennessee Heat that we just talked about. Um, and, you know, not having a loss so far this season under head co- new head coach Scott Murray. I mean, <clears throat> they, th- these guys are these guys are, are feeling good right now. Um, but that said, Nashville Christian is a good football team. They've played some really good teams. Um, I believe they've played Franklin Road Academy, Good Pasture, and Battleground Academy. Um, so three good, good, good programs that they've played. Um, and where I said, and like I said, Cougars they just haven't had that kind of competition. Um, so I think that that kind of um, non-conference schedule will hurt Clarksville Academy in this matchup um, against uh, one of the. I, I don't want to say necessarily a premier program, but Nashville Christian. You know, if there's a second level to that, you know, kind of premier top tier program status, I'd say they're probably around there. Um, I'm going to take. I, I, no, I, I I do want to say again, similar to that Kenwood game, I do think Clarksville Academy. There's a recipe for them to win this game um, because we have seen them play incredible football um, but I am going to take Nashville Christian 35 to 14 I think that's I think that's a safe bet and like you said Nashville Christian uh, they're a really good team and, and the best team that Clarksville Academy will face uh, so far this season looking at my next game is a game that we'll both pick Brady that is Beach and Clarksville the Bucks coming off a bye week uh, and then prior to that, losing the battle for Drake's Creek at Hendersonville the week prior. So they are 2-1 and one on the season. Clarksville 3-1 and one on the year. I think this could be a sneaky good game this week, Brady. Mm-hmm. Um, listen, the, the Buccaneers need the offensive line to continue to improve because if either Brian Rager or Jackson Ford have enough time to throw this football lookout because they have weapons down the field waiting in Andrew Page, Jackson Long, uh, so Beach can score, Aaron Jolly, excuse me, Beach can score some points in a hurry. There is no doubt about it. Patrick Hill running the ball, Darius Johnson as well. 
so Beach can put up the offense. Clark, you mix that with Clarksville making the long trip. Uh, unsure of who their quarterback's going to be. I like Beach, Beach in this one to win kind of big. I've got them winning 35-14. to 14. Yeah, you know, that's fair. Um, you know, like you said, Beach coming off the bye week, they've got had a little extra time to scout the Wildcats. Yep. Um, you know, Clarksville's legs are going to be a little more broken in for this game, which, you know, yep. could maybe lend themselves to uh, maybe a quicker start because, you know, they've played more recently. Um, but I don't think that's necessarily going to be enough uh, for uh, Clarksville to overcome Beach. I mean, Beach is just a really good football team. I believe we had them ranked number 16 in the latest poll. Um, you know, this is this is one of the best teams in the mid-state. Um you know, this game's kind of turning into uh, this matchup, I should say, between these two schools. It's kind of turned into a, a pretty good one between our uh, counties. You know, we had that great basketball game between them in uh, in the region uh, in what was that February? Yeah, region uh, championship. Yep. Yeah, they they the two teams played a great baseball game. Um, yeah, I was actually that we were. Yeah, I was there for both of those games. Yeah, yeah, you were at the baseball game. We were both at the basketball game. I mean, these are two schools that you know are getting familiar with themselves, playing in really big games, and uh, you know, with this now being a six A contest, uh, I think it'll be a pretty decent game because Clarksville they don't back down from anybody. Um, that said, I do think Beach takes this one twenty-one to seven. Brady, talking about my last game is the game that I will be at in Sumner County's oldest rivalry as Gallatin plays host to Hendersonville. If I'm not mistaken, these two teams date all the way back to 1914, you know, before the beaches of the world and the station camps and the Pope John Pauls and the Merrill Highs of the world. They Before they opened up, you only had Gallatin and Hendersonville. So all the kids went to those schools. And so this was a very, very big rivalry. And, and depending on who you ask, they may tell you it's their biggest rival. You know, I know the kids want to say Gallatin has Stacey Camp, Hendersonville has Beach, but to the older generation, uh, and maybe even to to a couple coaches, they'll say Hendersonville Gallatin's the biggest game in Sumner County on their schedule, just because of the reasons that I mentioned before. I mean, I've heard old stories of Calvin Short, former Gallatin coach, when they would play in another city, they would go around Hendersonville to get back to Gallatin just because. <laughs> They didn't even want to drive through the city. And same could be said for Hendersonville driving around Gallatin. So uh, the disdain for both of these programs runs deep. It goes back a long way. But as far as these, the 2021 versions of these teams on the field, I think they are night and day, Brady. Um, Hendersonville being on a completely different level than Gallatin. I, you know, I'm going to go ahead and throw my pick out there early. 42-7 in favor of the Commandos. Um what Hendersonville showed me in their win over Beach was mighty impressive. Mm-hmm. And what Gallatin showed in their loss against Station Camp was the opposite of impressive. Um, you know, I just think, like I said, these two teams are on totally different playing fields right now. The Gallatin offense is struggling to move the football. And because of that, the Gallatin defense is struggling to get off of the field on big critical downs. And Hendersonville, they've got playmakers that can make you pay on any given down, whether that's Ellis Ellis, Jack Brown, Jack Busey, Luke Manning throwing the football, Torrin Baker making plays. I mean, they've got a handful of guys that can get up and down the field in a hurry. So I'm sorry to say, Brady, but I don't think this game is very close as, as Hendersonville rolls 42-7. to yeah, Hendersonville, um, you mentioned that win against Beach. Uh, you know, I don't want to necessarily say that, that they're going to be playing for a 6A championship because Oakland is still out there, but Hendersonville is going to be, you know, a top contender, I think. If, oh, if they'll very much play for the region title. You could, I mean, unless something crazy happens, you know, obviously there's COVID running rampant, so we could have protocols. Obviously, injuries are always a part of the game. Knock on wood, that does not happen. But 
if it goes the way it's going right now, Hendersonville will play for a region championship. Mark my words. Yeah, they're absolutely the favorite in that region right now. Um, now, I hate to end my picks on a uh, anticlimactic one, but fortunately, that's just the way it's worked out today. Uh, Montgomery Central is 4-0. Um, granted, one of those wins is a, is a uh, COVID forfeit, but it was against Sycamore. That's a, that's a game I'm confident they would have won. Um, they're facing Glen, uh, Glencliff. Um, you know, here's the, here's the way I'll put it. In uh, three games this season, Glencliff has scored 20 points. In three games this season, Montgomery Central has allowed 12 points. I mean, I think Montgomery Central is going to be 5-0 and after this one. I got them winning 42-0. Yeah, I mean, safe bet. I really hate what's happened to Metro football and some of these programs. Yeah. Uh, you know, Glencliff is one of them that's kind of just kind of suffered from um, – it's not open enrollment in Davidson County, but – Certain factors are in place in Davidson County. If you're a good football player, you go here. If you're a good soccer player, you go here. Good basketball player, you go here. And I think Glencliff is just one of those schools that's just kind of caught the raw end of the of the deal on, on that sort of thing. So I really hate what's happened to the program. You know, if you remember a couple of years ago, they were, you know, no one can see this, but this on the video, but they were, you know, very close to shutting down their program because they didn't have enough players. So listen, just being able to fill the team playing these games, I guess, is a positive for Glencliff. But yeah, just hate to see what's happened to that program. It's unfortunate, man. Um, but unfortunately, hey, that's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. And you hope that they can rebuild sometime in the future. But for now, um, they're facing a really good Montgomery Central team who's going to run the ball down your throats. They're going to stop you from scoring. They're going to run the clock down. And uh, there's just not much you can do about it. Amen. Thank you guys for uh, tuning in to another episode of Coach Speak. Uh, this has been week five, I believe, man. We're, yeah, we're, can you believe that? We're, we're really getting into these episodes, man. It's been just, it's been more fun every week um, than, than the last. And uh, um, we're looking forward to talking to you guys again next week. Hopefully we got some uh, better records for our picks for uh, next week. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again soon. Take it easy, everybody. You've been listening to Coach Speak with Brady and Zach, the latest in high school football from Montgomery and Sumner Counties. For more on high school sports in Middle Tennessee, visit MainStreetPreps.com.